0: The Apostle Paul had this beautiful opportunity of going to people who were not true worshipers of the one true and only God. And he began to preach to these people. These people wor- were worshiping God uh, in an idolatrous way, they had idols set up. Obviously, there was something in their own thinking that led them to believe that there was uh, a missing element. They even had an idol with this inscription, to the unknown God. And this is the God that Paul preached to them. But in verse 24, after Paul talks about the unknown God, he has this to say, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he... Is Lord of heaven and earth dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that They should seek the Lord, if haply they feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. And you may be seated. I want to speak on the subject. Now, I've got a long title for this, and I don't particularly like long titles for messages. But I've got a long title, and the title of this is, All Men Need Him, Most Men Want Him. Uh, Even people that are not aware of the true God want Him. Now, there is such a thing as reaching the state of corruption to the point in which you really don't want God. That is described in Romans, the first and second chapter. But most men want him. All men need him. Now, you may not understand your need of God, and you may not even understand that you want God, And this is the reason why that I am spending time explaining to you the dilemma that a lot of people are in. A lot of this searching and seeking comes as a result of man hearing the voice of God and not recognizing the voice of God. And as a result of them not recognizing the voice of God, they continue to search, and unless someone like the Apostle Paul, comes their way to explain what their search is all about, they can miss God. Now we know that even in churches it is possible for us to get off base to the point that we don't understand our need of God. This was true in Revelation 3, starting with verse 14, has to do with Laodicea. Uh, Laodicea was a very prosperous church. They were increased in great wealth. You know, there's a lot in the Bible about wealth. Uh, About the curse that comes as a result of of wealth. It's not the wealth that brings the curse. It's man's attitude toward. The Bible says the love of money. It doesn't say money. It's the love of money. It's the emphasis. It's how you prioritize things. Now, John, in writing to the church at Laodicea, and, of course, he was prophesying, so this came from God. In verse 16 of Revelation 3, uh, he said, So then because thou art lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich. Now this is this is this was their attitude relative to the the, to the blessings of Almighty God. I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Now, do you think that they actually preached that doctrine? Do you think the people went around and said that? They were basically saying this within themselves. In other words, their action was speaking the very thoughts of their heart. I don't know of any Christian that would be so ignorant as to say, we don't need God. Because you would break your affiliation with the thing that you are endorsing. So this is not something they were verbalizing. It was just something they were practicing. So in their own minds, they were saying, we are rich, and we're increased of goods, and we really don't need anything. Now, the consequences of such a profession led them to what? Lukewarmness. They were lukewarm as a result of their attitude toward the blessings of the Lord. Isn't it said in the scripture concerning Israel of the Old Testament when they went into the promised land? And I I just, I really like the word promised land. Because it it just simply, promised land means the land that God had promised to them. And they're going to inherit. But when they went in... The Bible says that the Lord allowed them to take the land inch by inch. Because if they took it all at one time, guess what? In other words, God was saying, we want you to get accustomed to my blessings. If I give it all to you at one time, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get your eyes on the blessings and you're going to turn away from God. So inch by inch they conquered the promised land just like a child that's growing up you remember those years in which you were growing speaking of growing up we do have two new members uh, here in our uh, Bible class they have been promoted from the youth class and, and that's Madeline don't turn your eyes away from me Madeline you saw me make eye contact with you and she dropped her eyes Madeline and Charlita where's Charlita all right. They're, they're growing up. Isn't that something? <clears throat> well, I, I just used to want to grow up. I, I would put, I, I used to lift weights, and that, that was, we were so poor, you know, that I, I went over to the city dump and found some old brick that had holes in them, and I found a pipe that some plumber had discarded. And I took and put those bricks on the end of it, and of course there was no threads on the end of the old pipe, so... I took a sledgehammer and flattened it out and wrapped some baling wire around it so the bricks wouldn't fall off. And, boy, I was pumping, not iron, but pumping bricks. (laughs) Man, I would do that. (laughs) Can you believe I used to be skinny? (laughs) You can't believe it. See, that's what bricks do for you. (laughs) And And then I took that bar... I'd, I'd take the baling wire off of it and pull it out of the hole, and I'd put it up between—I put it up between two pine trees that were about this far apart on the limbs, and I would do chin-ups. And I don't know what the Henderson High School record is for chin-ups, but I held that record for a long time. And the reason why is because I started out when I was very, very young, and man, I would eat everything that would build muscles. And I'd look in the mirror, and it just didn't look like I was getting any place. But I'd go to those family reunions. And, and you know, some of your aunt, great aunts, oh, bless their hearts. They just have a way of just, it's just the way they do it. I had this one great, I've told this so many times, though but she always came up to kiss me. And she had the wettest lips. Oh. And she had a mustache. Oh. You know, just... <laughs> she was just a great... Her, her, her name was Pearl. My dad's... Actually, she wasn't my great aunt. It was my dad's sister. Well, she was my great aunt, too, because my dad's sister married my grandpa's brother. <laughs> on my mother's side. So she was my aunt and my great aunt. But she'd just come up, and you know what? She'd, she'd size me up, and she'd call me John Wesley. My middle name is, isn't that a, a good Wesleyan name? And she'd say, John Wesley. Honey, it's so good to see you. And I knew she was going to kiss me. My mother told me, she said, if you don't treat her nice, I'll beat you to death. <laughs> I wanted to be bragged about being big, but I wanted the girls to brag on me, not Aunt Pearl. Yeah. <clears throat> here it was, Aunt Pearl always. And she would lay one of those wet kisses on me. You <laughs> just wipe it off. <laughs> Mother get me by the ear and said, Don't be doing that, son. Don't be wiping that off. I'd say, Mother, I'm just rubbing it in. <laughs> Never wipe off that pearl kiss, you know. Just rub it in. <clears throat> but people who do not see you regularly, they see that you do grow. You don't recognize that. But did you know that it is also true that... Uh, You can lose weight sometimes and not be able to detect it as fast as other people. I hate it when I've lost about 15 pounds or so, and somebody walk up and look at you and say, Have you been gaining weight? (sighs) It takes all the Holy Ghost in me to be nice. Well, at any rate, you know, what can happen you can you can grow and not be aware of it but you can also digress and not be aware of it and so th- that that's exactly what happened now inasmuch as the body has certain needs food and water to sustain life did you know this is also true of the inner man the soul now <clears throat> brother rich thomas and I embarked upon quite a project this week at our annual business meeting. The church voted for Sister Grant and I to put a garage and a family room on on our on the parsonage and and I have been all summer planning on doing it and then all of a sudden we decided to do it so rich Thomas came out and and we almost worked each other to death, of course. <laughs> Don't feel sorry for us. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot done. <laughs> it just doesn't take. No, Rich, I'm I'm just joking. <laughs> but it was a funny thing happened, brother. I had this this cancer surgery, and brother Thomas had called people, and and various people had called me, and I was getting calls, and so was brother Thomas, and from 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 all over. And and uh, brother brother Thomas was digging in this ditch, and he fell against the ditch. He says, "Oh," he said. Uh, Brother Grant, he, I said, what is so funny? He said, I just, I can't get over this. He said, you are killing me. You're literally killing me. I said, so what's so funny about that? He said, well, he said, you know, we put you on the World Network of Prayer. He said, I called Columbus, talked to Brother Cisco, and he called. And then, of course, Brother Scotty Teets from New York and Brother uh, Blackshear from Anchorage and, and some folks down in Texas and some out in California. And he said, I'm getting calls from all over the world. People are calling. and said, how is Brother Grant? Is he going to make it? And here you are working down in this ditch about to kill me. (laughs) Our work was kind of highlighted by Sister Grant going by pick and save. And uh, she went into the deli department there, and they had fried chicken. And it was fresh. And she brought out those big, plump chicken breasts. Hot, piping hot. Put those on a picnic table near where Rich and I were eating, where, well, where we were working. And we just decided that it was the will of God yeah. for us to dig in. And we did. And did we ever dig in. And she brought iced tea out there and water. And and I'm telling you, we just ate and drank and ate and drank and ate and drank. And then she she got cheesecake for us and we... And we decided we like fried chicken. She said, now it's time for dessert. And I said, yes, and I would like another chicken breast for dessert. (laughs) So, Rich, uh, and I departed and left the cheesecake there. I ate it last night. And I ate, uh, Sister Grant had one uh, helping, and I had two. One for myself and one for my brother that I love so dearly. (laughs) So, now... The thing about it is you could only you could only work so long without stopping to eat. You know that. Now, I, I don't want to sound critical, but for the most part, do you know what is wrong with the Christian world today? For the most part, God, especially here in the United States of America, God has blessed us and we feed the body we have big fellowship meetings in which we you know banquets and such we'll have our annual banquet here and we'll have a, a fall planning session here and we're, there was a note on my desk this morning that I'm supposed to express my concerns relative to the catering in of the food we had a pig roast I don't know there's just something about pig roast that sounds kind of fattening doesn't it you know but you can you know the thing about it is there is a portion of you though there is a part of you that cannot survive on fried chicken and pizzas and pig roasts you know that and and the thing about it is the part that really is responsible for contentment and joy and peace is the part that's quite often neglected. This is what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians pardon me, 4, verse 16. He says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outer man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Well, what would, happen, what would happen to you if you went on uh, an extended fast? <clears throat> Let's say if you tried to fast 90 days. What do you think would happen? You think you'd die? I'm pretty sure you you, you, you would because uh, we, we have our fast days and, and, and I almost die sometimes. So, I meant to, <laughs> you can all relate to that. You know we all laugh about it. You know, I've, I've had people go around bragging about, oh, I went through the day and and I I, I forgot to eat and I never forget to eat. I can't believe that. My wife gets sick and she won't eat and I can't understand that. I said, how come you're not eating? She said, well, I guess I just forgot. I said, forgot? How can you forget to eat? Not me. Oh no, not me. And when I'm fasting, I'm usually sitting around thinking about eating. I can actually work a little bit better than I can just sit in the office and and, uh, take care of administrative work and and read and such. Because I kind of get my mind off of it. But if I went on a 90-day fast, how long could you go without water? How long do you think you could go without water? Not not very many days, maybe three or four days, and then you start dehydrating and you get in pretty critical condition when your body temperature starts to drop. So all of us we 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 understand the symptoms. Hunger is painful. You've heard of hunger pains? Can anybody describe that? It, it, it it's it's very miserable. Man, I've read some stories about, I remember way back in, in in junior high, you know, in world history, studying about Magellan, the man who made the first voyage around the earth. You know, they ran out of food and water. Now, there's an ocean full of water, but you can't drink that. So they set up little things in which they evaporated the salt out and collected the the water, and they would literally go by, and men would go by and lick this 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 piece of metal or whatever it was they were collecting that on. Did you know something else in Magellan's first voyage around the world that they took, and they had men that did nothing but stand in corners quietly in that boat, and every rat that came out they killed it. If they could, and they cut it up, rationed it out for people. Now, I'm serious with you. They took all the leather they could find, and even some of the ropes that they didn't need, and they boiled it in salt water, and chewed on it, and swallowed it. Miserable. Now, there are people in our world today that are just that way spiritually. Why? Because they have not fed the inner man. Now, you can feed the inner man on things that are corrupt, which causes what? Sickness. How many of you would just rather go to a garbage can to eat than you would maybe to go over to, let's say, uh, one of the finer restaurants in town? Cracker Barrel. I mean would rather go to the garbage can and eat. You'd have to be pretty selective. I think most of us would get sick, wouldn't we? And you see, this is what's happening to our world today, because if you feed the inner man on the wrong things, you can expect a lot of unrest. You can expect a lot of sick things to come out of our society. And that's what's happening with our world today. This is the reason why that there's so many sick people, emotionally. And and the emotions has has a way too of affecting us physically. The Bible tells us in the Book of Proverbs that the spirit of a man will sustain him in his infirmities. So, the the, the thing about it is that that hunger. And thirst, they have their their pains and their problems. And if in the event it continues and you can't find or you don't know what is right for the soul, you'll end up eating things that will do what? Because you get sicker. Isn't that true? I have had a touch of food poisoning a couple of times in my life. And truthfully, you know, you just think, oh, I'm going to die. I cannot take this you know so the inner man craves his food is guess what God man was designed that way and he will not be satisfied until he feeds his soul on God this is the reason why the the psalmist says in Psalm 34 verse 8 oh taste and see that the Lord is good Now, in the context of what I'm preaching today, I want to make this statement. Jesus is delicious. He's satisfying. He's fulfilling. He really is. So you find a lot of of unrest among people. Uh... Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said, He that hungereth and thirsteth after me, or righteousness, because Jesus is the source of righteousness, shall be filled. And the word filled here means shall become content. Didn't Jesus tell the woman by the well, You drink of this water, you'll do what? Thirst again. But I have living water that you can drink of and never thirst. Now, he talked about hunger and he talked about thirst. There are two reasons for people eating. The first reason, they eat so they won't starve. Others eat because of an appetite. Have you ever missed two or three meals thinking, then I can really go eat in the morning start? And you're full? But when you get an appetite, you can just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. People who eat a lot, can eat the most. Isn't Isn't that the way it works? I used to tell my mother, growing up, I said, how come... How come when I I know I'm full, I feel full, but I'm still hungry? What is the problem? Of course, she didn't say, son, it's because of your hearty appetite. That's not what she said. She said, that's a sign of being a pig. Now, Jesus was not implying that people that come to Calvary, people who are born again, people who partake of the Lord, that that they will just one time get a taste and they're gone. That's not what he's talking about. Because we continue to eat, but we do not continue to eat because we are starving. We continue to eat because we have developed appetite. And we understand that contentment comes as a result of that. Now, John 7, 37, and I'd like you to turn there. We want to read this scripture. John 7, 37, the Bible tells us that in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said... Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The word belly here means innermost being. But this make he of the Spirit, verse 39, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what was he doing? He was prophesying about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that took place in Acts, the second chapter. And what he's saying is that, that if, you're, if you're thirsty, you should come unto the Lord and drink. And, of course, that drink is the, the Holy Ghost. You see, the Bible talks about the gift of God. Not a gift from God, but the gift of God. It's God himself, God giving himself to us. See, the Holy Spirit was the, the spirit of the Holy Departed One. This is the reason why in in the King James translation they use the word ghost. Because the word ghost describes the spirit of a departed one. And Jesus was the holy departed one that sent back his own spirit. To live inside of mankind. And we draw from that spirit every day to feed the inner man. Every day. And I must understand that that in as much as I like fried chicken and I like steak and I like pizza and all of that other stuff that puts on weight. I can always tell if it's diet food. If it tastes good, it isn't. (laughs) It's the way it is, you know. I tell people, none of that cottage cheese stuff because only fat people eat. It's got to be fattening. None of that fat-free stuff because only fat people do that. It's got to be fattening. <laughs> no, I'm just joking now. I, I have actually been eating low-fat foods for some time. Now, <clears throat> the thing about it is, and, and let me go back to my title. Okay? All men need him. Most men want him. Now the world will never be religious free. Now I know that in America we have the Freedom from Religion Foundation. It's pretty dumb. It really is. It's a dumb effort that the man has devised to Uh, To to, to make himself miserable. (laughs) No, listen listen to me. In societies in which Christianity was blank. I mean, zero, nothing. Guess what happened? They still saw their need of God. That's where idolatry comes in. The Canaanites in the Old Testament, the Egyptians, those Grecians on Mars Hill. In fact, I can go so far as to say this that the world will never be religious free. Now, it may be anti God as we know God, but not religious free. In fact, the only way, when the the church is raptured from this planet Earth, Taken out. And the world basically becomes godless as a result of the church being gone. That's explained in Paul's writings to the church in Thessalonica. And when this world goes into the tribulation period. And then into the great tribulation period. The only way that Satan can conquer the human race. Is through a false prophet and an anti-Christ. Both great religious people. Isn't that something? That's the only way you can do it. Why? Because there's something inside of every man that says that I am not so independent. I need God. All men need him. Most men want him. And there are literally millions of people right here in the good old USA that really want God. And they're not acquainted with the truth because the gospel has really never reached them. How many times have you gone out and witnessed people and you found out that hey there's a lot of hungry people out there now those hungry people what are they doing just sitting around waiting for you oh no they're visiting from bar to bar and from party to party and and and, you know from ball game to ball game and they're searching they're they're seeking they're going from movie house to movie house and 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 from this to that and they're, they're looking and they're searching and they don't understand what they're searching for But they are searching. There is a quest within their soul. In other words, the inner man is perishing. And he has to be fed. And needs to be fed. And so I go feed him on this. And and what does it do? It causes the inner man to become sicker. And I feed him on this. And it doesn't work. Because it causes the inner man to become sicker. And when the inner man becomes weaker and sicker, guess what? I become more confused. I feel totally exhausted. I mean, how many alcoholics do you know of it? They'll, they'll go in the bar and they'll take a big drink and say, Oh, just one. I'm telling you, this, this liquor is so fulfilling. I'm telling you. I, I, I just, I'm going to, this, this is it for me. I'm telling you. this. No, that's not the way it works. Did you know that sin is designed to leave you cold and empty and hungry? It's not designed to fulfill one need that you have. That's the reason why Solomon, the great writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, said, All the rivers run into the sea, my soul. Yet the sea is never full. And he's talking about feeding the inner man on vain things. So I married one woman. I thought, man... If I had two women, I'd have a happy marriage. If I had three, I'd have a happy marriage. If I had four, I'd have a... And and he kept on going. And after a while, he had so many, he didn't know their names. But did he have a happy marriage? No. Thought, man, if I can just plant a vineyard, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to be happy. So he planted his vineyard. And he thought, now, if I had two vineyards... If I have three vineyards, if I have four, if I have five, if I have six. And after a while, he pretty much dominated the whole country with vineyards. And was he happy? No. So he had his castle. But if I had another one, and you know what he did? He built houses all over Israel. Was he happy? No. And finally, he sat down and says, everything in life is vain. It's not found in houses. It's not found in lands. It's not found in women. It's not found in eat. It's not found in drink. Where is it? How come come I'm I'm so discontent? And and you know this is something that young people, there's a lot of frustration and confusion that comes with young people. Of course they go through so many chemical uh, or chemistry changes in their bodies and, and such and And and, and this is partly responsible for it. But let me say this. In order for you to have true contentment, there must be, there must be an agreement between how you think, how you feel about what you think, and how you act. And we're not talking about thinking up here as a man thinketh in his heart. And if you know, if you have been taught and you know the truth and you know what you need to do and you get with the wrong people and they make you feel bad about what you know and you end up doing something contrary to what you really know is right, do you think that at that action, regardless of how much pressure has been placed on you, will bring satisfaction it's going to be it's going to bring guilt and shame and confusion this is the reason why I've I've, I've talked with young people you know I preach to young people uh, and I, I love uh, we have the best youth group in, in, in the UPC I really believe that well you know I, I can stand up here and preach on Sunday night you can come down and align yourself to the Word of God, and get up and leave and go out someplace, maybe with the wrong crowd, and do something contrary to that, you think you're going to feel good about it? No. No. That would be like someone wanting a flower garden, and they said, oh, I think I'll, I, you know, and they, they prepare the soil, they do everything, they get it just right, and guess what? Then they go in and they pick up the bird seed, thistle seeds, And they bring these thistle seeds, and they, they put it all in the garden, thinking they're going to have great flowers. It won't work out that way. You won't have great flowers. You'll have thistles if you plant thistles. And so all of your work then is simply in vain. Now, the world will never become religious-free the only way the world will be conquered by Satan is through religious figures, the false prophet and the Antichrist. And, and, and this is trying to simulate Jesus Christ coming. And prior to Jesus Christ's coming, there was a prophet by the name of John, the greatest of all prophets, that paved the way. The false prophet will come and pave the way for the Antichrist. And the Antichrist will come and perform great miracles, the Bible says. You know, without people even looking at any doctrine, any miracle person today will draw great big crowds. People don't check it out in the Bible. It's just, I want a miracle. Why? Tell me why. Because every one of us is questing inside for something deeper in God. And we feel that's where it is. And I must agree, we need more miracles. But I think for any person to just accept a miracle ministry as being valid and okay, when I say valid and okay, I'm talking about separate and apart from truth. The truth of the matter is there's a portion of you that's not being fed and strengthened every day in the Holy Ghost. Now Paul says this in in the book of Titus and And I've covered this. I had not planned on doing it, but I I just really feel in the Holy Ghost right now that I should. So let's turn to the book of Titus. I want to just show you something, and then then we're going to bring this to a close. Titus 2, verse 11, the Apostle Paul says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Now, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. The word grace comes basically... Or I say comes, the word grace, mean, has two different meanings. Uh, and, and the only way you'll know what the meaning is, is according to the context. One is unmerited favor, and that's the one that we hear a lot about. Uh, however, it, it is interchanged in the scripture also to mean the divine leading of the heart. You know, when we sing amazing grace, we talk about unmerited favor, but then there's a, there's a part of this, That says through many dangers, toils, and strife. In other words, God leads us. And basically what he's saying is that the divine leading of the heart, grace that comes from God hath appeared unto all men. Now I'm going to propose something to you and you're going to think about this. I am a believer that every human being that's ever been born has heard the voice of God. Little infants that are in the cradles, they hear the voice of God. Now, they're not always aware of what it is. Did you know that children that come in the house of God can clap time to the music and worship before they can walk and talk. And sometimes pastors, you know, we get on this, we say, oh, we've got to get down on their level. It's amazing that you can just preach things that adults don't understand, and children will just accept it. Isn't that something? Suffer the little children to come into me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. What was Jesus saying? Children know how to relate to God. Why? Because they're pretty innocent compared to a lot of corrupt adults. Now, I want to go to the first chapter of the book of Romans, and this is the, the chapter that I wanted to talk about. Man, I'll tell you what. The president got over to the White House, went over to the White House midnight, night before last and signed this bill prohibiting gay marriages just met with the gays the day before and uh made them feel real good and he slipped over there in the middle of the night thinking they wouldn't know he signed it i don't know how he thought he was going to get out of it, but anyway they they found out about it somehow you know so and and of course they were they they were and are upset now i'm going to make a blanket statement homosexuality is the worst sin on the face of the earth. Somebody asked me, Do you think homosexuality is right? Right. I think it's the most corrupt, vile sin that you can commit. I've heard, I've even had people say, You have to be careful behind the pulpit of what you say. Oh, you do? Let me tell you something. There are people's names that are recorded in Scripture. That laid down their life for preaching. What they preached. I'm not an exception to that rule. The world is in the condition of sin. Because the pulpits in America have become weak. Amen. It is wrong. It's wrong because the scripture says it's wrong. Now, God loves homosexuals, but he does not like your lifestyle. All right, well, let's just read a little bit and we'll see this, all right? <clears throat> and of course, uh, verse 19, uh, let's just start there. Ver, uh, Romans 1 because that which uh, may be known of God is manifest. In them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the, world, creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That simply means that every man that walks on the face of the earth is without excuse, because there's enough evidence compiled and logged in his own file to know that there's a God. Now, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with it, see? Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, darkened, professing themselves to become to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, and to birds and four footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Now the word gave them up. The phrase gave them up is found here. And it's also found in verse 26. but this calls God gave them up. It simply means in the Greek, God gave up on them. Now if God's not willing for anybody to perish. And he isn't. When God gives up on an individual. That simply means that he has lost his sensitivity toward God. He doesn't understand that he needs God. In fact, he does not want God. He wants his own way. He, wants to go. he has totally destroyed the inner man, and there's no chance of that inner man's survival. And that's what perversion does. and then he goes on to say and likewise also the men having the natural leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was met and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge to a reprobate mind to do those things which were Convenient, In other words, those things which they wanted to do. All right. Now the Apostle Paul talks about this. But in the second chapter, verse 14 of Romans, Paul says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are law unto themselves. Now basically what he's doing, he's backing up and he's saying, now I want to go through a line of logic with you you people. Now all men have sinned and come short sure of the glory of God. But he says, the Gentiles, not knowing God, what did they do? He set up they they set up their laws according to the law of God, not having the law of God. They did it by nature, in other words, they set up laws that says it it's wrong for me to go over with a gun and kill Don Moran, and if you kill him, you're going to be punished. It's wrong for me to go over. Chris Zimmerman's house and break in and steal uh, from him. It's wrong for me to go and lust after someone's wife and commit adultery. Now, basically, Paul says, "Now they had this all set up like this. How did they know? Who told them this was wrong? Where did he get it?" He's saying God them it's before God gave up on them now they may not have known you know what they were fighting maybe they didn't even know they were they they didn't maybe Maybe they didn't understand that 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 voice was telling this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. You hear a lot in our world today about This is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And then then people say, but we need to take God out of politics and God out of everything. You take God out of everything, you don't know what's right or wrong. You don't know what's north or south. You don't know what's east or west. You don't know what's up or down. You don't know what's pure or what's vile. Why? Because there's no measuring stick when God is absent. And, of course, he goes on to say, now, the Jews, it was a little different story because they had the law of God. He said, now, the whole problem with this is that the Jews having the law of God, that they sinned against it. And the Gentiles who had the law of God... By nature, they sinned against it. And so as a result then, he said, the whole world becomes guilty before God. Verse 19 of chapter 3. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith unto them who are under the law. Who are under the law? He says all men. He's not talking about Old Testament law as much as he's talking about a principle of the law to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may become guilty before God. And he goes on to summarize it by saying, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So as a child, God begins to talk to a man. All men need him. Most men want him. And if I'm speaking to someone here today, who is frustrated and you seem to never be able to find your way and the path seems to be so clouded and you've struggled and you've tried and you want to be happy and you want to be content. Could I point you in the direction of God? You're feeding your soul. You're feeding the inner man on something that will not satisfy. But let me tell you something. If you'll turn your life over to Jesus and let Jesus be the strengthening factor of the inner man, great peace and joy will come. Now you can do this today by simply repenting of your sins. You can do this today by being baptized in Jesus' name. You can do this today by being filled with the Holy Ghost, which is the new birth. You can leave this place rejoicing just like the Ethiopian eunuch left the water hole there in the desert back to his own country rejoicing that he had found Jesus. We'd like for you to stand. Most men want him. Now all men need him. And it might be that you're saying, I don't, I don't want God. You know, I, I said that too because I didn't recognize that God was what I needed to bring to bring. That element of, of of contentment and peace, I, I, didn't re- I didn't recognize that. After I found God, I, I, I said, this is what I've been wanting all the time. Amen. I remember years ago walking into a Pentecostal church and they were singing a chorus. I search for him and do not what I search for, I long for him. And knew not what I longed for, but I found Jesus. Now, isn't it a beautiful chorus? And when I found Jesus, guess what? He filled that longing down in my soul. I would have sung it all, before, but I forgot the words. You, you detected that, didn't you? I saw that confused look on your face. <clears throat> isn't God good? Praise God. The good news is that you don't have to eat out of some cesspool or garbage can of iniquity today. That you can sit at a well-prepared meal with Christ Jesus and partake of heavenly manna today. Satisfying, nourishing, building up, strengthening. You can do that today. We want our praise singers to sing. And what I'd like for you to do is step out and come and give your heart to God as they sing. You can come and stand around the front. We have Christian workers, prayer warriors throughout our building. We'd be glad to come and pray with you. Who would like to be the first to come? To be sanctuary pure and whole.